God. Well, how, how many of you are hungry for God? Amen. Amen. Well, and I want you to be hungry for God. I want you to be hungrier for God than you are now. And I want to be more hungry than I am now. And so one of the things that makes us hungry for God is to, uh, when we give our attention to the blessings and the things that God has done for us and the things that are ahead for us. Amen. And so uh, <clears throat> anything that you give your attention to, you're going to cultivate a desire for. It doesn't matter what it is. It can be something really natural like a softball. If you give your attention to it, all of a sudden you'll have a desire. You cannot maybe even particularly like softball, but if you'll give your attention to it, you know, here uh, along several times in a row, first thing you know, you'll be really liking it. It's the same with cigarettes. It's the same with any, I mean, if you do it, you know, you, can, you say, I could never smoke a cigarette. Yes, you could. Just smoke a few. You know, if you just keep on smoking them, my mom told me, then of course this was back in the 50s when uh, uh, when they told us that cigarettes were cool and, and that they weren't unhealthy and doctors were even saying they were good for you and stuff. So there was deception there, wasn't there? But she said, man, I, the first cigarette I smoked, I hated it. It tasted awful the, and several. But she said, if you just keep doing it because you think you're cool, you know, and she thought she was cool. Well, well, then, of course, she had to quit. The Lord led her to quit later, and she's quit. But, you know, she did cultivate a hunger just by, uh, just by giving herself to it. So anything we give ourselves to, we can cultivate a hunger for. You know, uh, I got pastor hooked on days of our lives before we were <laughs> filled with the Spirit. Why? Just because every time he came in for lunch, I exposed him to it, and he cultivated where he wanted to know what they were going to do. Yes, he did. I promise. Well, praise God, we got filled with the Spirit. We got baptized in the Holy Ghost. We got delivered from days of our lives. Amen. Hadn't watched it since. Hallelujah. I was gonna name Colin uh, Julie. Uh, he was gonna if when he was he was gonna be his name. Off of, you know that girl. Some of you don't say yes if you know who Julie was on days of our lives. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad? I think God gave me a joy boy just so I wouldn't name him after days of our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. I, I embarrassed him. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hallelujah. <coughs> Everybody has weird parents. So no. <laughs> Amen. To some dimension or another, everybody's parents are weird, aren't they? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, anyway, I want to talk about the end times in heaven tonight and cultivate a hunger for heaven and for the things that God's prepared for you there. Hebrews chapter 11. Hallelujah. I know I wish I wasn't so honest and tell y'all everything. Thank you, Jesus. I, I mean, I, I'm glad I'm honest, but I didn't have to tell y'all all our, all our past history, did I? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews 11, 13. <clears throat> says, these all died in faith. This is talking about those in the, the faith hall of fame. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and per were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, an heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He hath prepared for them a city." And what this is talking about here is the Old Testament saints, the Old Testament saints that were in faith, uh, that they looked ahead to the promises. God revealed to them uh, the things that were to come, and they looked ahead to the promises, and they believed. And uh, uh, they believed so much that they confessed that they were strangers on this earth, and they had a desire. Or a hunger, we could say. We've talked about being hungry. They had a desire. It says desire in the King James, but that'd be the same as hunger. They had a hunger for a heavenly country. They had a hunger for heaven. And it said that because they had a hunger for heaven, they had a hunger for the things of God, so much so that they counted themselves as strangers here in the earth, that because of that, God was not ashamed to be their God. Now, I believe that God is personally ashamed to be the God of some Christians. I believe this verse would show us that God could be ashamed to be the God of some Christians. I mean, there could be people that are actually born again, but they live in such a way that God's really ashamed 
to be their God. And we would never want to be that. But anyway, they were hungry for heaven. It is impossible for you to hunger for God and not be hungry for heaven. And I know there was a time in my life when I was a Christian, but I wasn't hungry for heaven. But it was based on a fear. It was based on because no one had ever taught me. And I didn't, I didn't have any understanding when it came to the end times. I was afraid of the end times. First of all, I thought we were going to go through the tribulation. And that was not so much because my church taught that, but just because, you know, uh, they didn't teach anything. And so, I, you know, you pick up bits and pieces from here and there, and you get all kind of a squirrely doctrine because and if nobody ever teaches you the truth. And so nobody ever really said anything about the tribulation. And so from just gathering bits and pieces from here and there, I've got this idea that we were going to go through the tribulation. I was tremendously afraid of it. Hallelujah. And so I had all sorts of fears about Jesus coming back. I think when you're not also living like you know that you ought to be. And even though I didn't know exactly how to live right and I didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit I was saved, but I didn't have the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit helped me to live right. I think I knew that I was not walking in the place where God would have me to walk. I was going to church every Sunday and every Sunday night and every Wednesday night and I was taking Colin to, uh, and before after he was born, I was taking him to church and Sunday school and pastor was and uh, we were serving in the church but still just never and also not having been taught that we were righteous. You know, a combination of probably not really living up to what we knew to do and uh, and then also not, not having a uh, a righteousness conscious because we weren't taught that we were righteous um, because of that <clears throat> uh, didn't feel very good about myself so had a dread of heaven had a dread of the of Jesus coming back you know uh, <laughs> I was always gonna I've told you this before but I was always gonna pray during the tribulation I had a I knew even though I wasn't baptized in the Holy Ghost I knew I ought to pray but I didn't have a prayer life and I didn't read the Word. I didn't understand it when I did read it. And so, um, <clears throat> but I knew I ought to. I guess we were taught that enough that we ought to. And so I was going to do those things during the tribulation. I remember. I even remember saving things in my house that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save this because we might not can buy this kind of stuff. And I'll have that during the tribulation. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. I mean, I can remember thinking like that. <clears throat> so uh, um, having a wrong perspective perspective of heaven like I did or maybe whatever wrong perspective you could have could keep you from being hungry for heaven and keep you from being heavenly minded and God wants us to be heavenly minded and you know we used to hear a saying I don't really think it's really true oh it's back there I'm like okay who's doing this little <laughs> okay anyway you know we used to have this little saying she's so heavenly minded she's no earthly good I the more I meditate and think about that I don't think that's possible Hallelujah. I think you're going to have to be heavenly minded before you could be any earthly good. Amen. And if you're too earthly minded, you are not any heavenly good. Amen. And so uh, we need to change our perspective and become heavenly minded. They were so heavenly minded that they considered themselves to be strangers on this earth. We've got to cultivate a hunger for heaven. And a, a hunger for and to be mindful of heaven, we're going to have to know something about it. Now, heaven is not, a, a, and this is kind of the concept that I grew up with, that heaven's kind of a fuzzy, kind of a lazy place where you don't work kind of like being on a tropical island or something and you you know you just have lazy days that are basically happy but you know and but heaven is so far from that and it's um not that at all <clears throat> um Another thing we have to realize if we're going to be heavenly minded is how my and pastor said this this morning is how much that life is a vapor that uh, in the scheme of eternity, and it doesn't take long to, to realize this, that if you think about all of eternity from time that will never end, how little 70, 80, or even 100 years is. It's so, it's so small. And for those of you know, um, as a child, time went really slow to me. Did it y'all go slow for y'all? It was summers forever long, and it took forever to Christmas to come. And now, and I will tell you, my mother always said, you know, well, the older you get, the faster it goes. And it is true. I don't know there's something about it. That the older you get, it's like years just go by like this in blinks. Birthdays come just so fast. And and, and in your 20s, they don't come as fast as, wait, you know, 40s, and, and I'm sure 50s. They and, and so... Life is a vapor. 
Hallelujah. Uh, I used to think 50 would be, you know, old. And now I'm like so insulted that some people will let you get a senior citizen discount at 50. That insults me. It makes me mad because I don't want no senior citizen discount next year. Hallelujah. I, you may say, well, I want to save the money. I don't. I'd rather pay the money than call myself. I have to call myself a senior citizen in order to, and I'm not going to call myself a senior citizen. Amen. I'm going to believe I'm young. Just like I'm not going to, you know, I'd rather walk further than park in the handicap space. Even if there's nobody around. I don't care if there's, I don't care if it's Sunday at, at a store that's closed on Sunday. I'm not going to park in that handicap spout because I will never admit to the devil that I am handicapped. Hallelujah. Never. So we, we, won't park, we won't park in that handicapped space if the store's closed. Amen. You know, at Word of Life in Birmingham, we would get reserved parking when we go there as a minister. And sometimes if, the, if there's no handicapped people showed up, they would make us park in the handicapped. You know, and that is like, oh, that great now. Like, I don't want to park in the handicapped. But the usher made us. And so, you know, you don't argue with the head usher, do you? <laughs> especially some head ushers. Joe looks pretty nice, but boy, I've been to some churches when the head usher was scary. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Okay. So uh, we need to define heaven. And first of all, we need to know that heaven is not just a spiritual place. Now, some religions even teach that heaven is just a state of mind. And heaven is not just a state of mind. In other words, what they teach is that you're going to die and then you're just going to be kind of in this oozy, ozone, heavenly bliss, but it's not really a place, but you're not going to have pain. You're, you're just going to be in this oozy place, you know. Uh, forgive me if I, don't, if I use strange words, but sometimes it's hard to find words to describe these things, these heavenly things. John had that problem when he tried to put English words, or not English, he wasn't speaking English, but when he tried to put words on the things that he saw. Amen? So it's not just a spiritual place or a spiritual condition. Actually, in Genesis 1-1, if you want to look there, <coughs> and it's important we talk about this because we're talking about end times, what God's going to do in these last days. And... Uh, in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's interesting the way he said that. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Um, that word in the Hebrew, heaven, is shamaim, S-H-A-M-A-I-M, and it is not singular nor plural. It is dual gender. And it, what it does is it deals with that two heaven thing because really there is a spiritual heaven. It's not just spiritual heaven, but there is a spiritual heaven. The kingdom, you know, Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. That's talking about spiritual heaven. You have the kingdom of God within you. And we have a heaven within us. And when, when we talk about having days of heaven on this earth, really that's an experiencing of the spiritual side of heaven. We don't really get to have a tangible heaven because we live in a corrupt world. We live in a world with the curse. Amen? But we experience the spiritual side of heaven. In other words, we walk above the things in this earth and we walk in sort of a kind of a heaven thing where we've got joy, we've got peace. Amen? We are just experiencing blessing. We're rejoicing. And we do that by faith. Hallelujah. And we do it because we believe His Word. We believe His promises. We do it in spite of the curse. Not because everything in our lives is totally lined up and there's nothing touching. See, some people are waiting in this earth for, and they think, one of these days I'm going to get where, where I don't have any challenges. I used to be that way. One of these days, I kept thinking if I just study enough and if I just, if I just pray enough and if I just get in faith enough, I would never have any challenges. You are, as long as you are in this earth, you are gonna, you're gonna have heaven, but you're gonna have it by faith. Every day you're gonna be overcoming, uh, something. If the, and you know, we do have a season where, man, I tell you, I got all my little ducks in a row. As soon as the devil figures out you're in a season that you've got all your little ducks in a row, he's going to knock one of your little ducks over. 
And you're going to have a faith challenge. Amen? Amen. So everybody has faith challenges. There's never been anybody that walked this earth in this that didn't uh, have to have these faith challenges. But we have we experience that spiritual heaven here on earth. But then there's the other side of heaven, this dual gender. There's the literal place of heaven. And... Um, <clears throat> It's um, it's a real and a physical place, and it's God's home, and it's the location of His throne, and it represents um, <coughs> our eternal habitation. Um, in Genesis one one, and there's some other scriptures, but we don't have time to look at all these scriptures tonight, or it would take too many times, too many hours. You have to look it up for yourself. If you want to really study in times, there's some books that I can tell you about that you can get. And uh, some think some helps, but Genesis one one uh, implies because it says God created the heaven and the earth that heaven is a planet like earth that heaven is a planet. We know from the scriptures we don't have time to turn there that heaven is round. We know that heaven is in the northern part of the universe. Amen. And we get a lot of our traditions and things, even like Santa Claus living at the North Pole. Those kind of things come from, and I'm not advocating that, but I'm saying we get those kind of things from a lot of times from spiritual truths that we take them and apply in different ways. But anyway, heaven's in the north. Uh, man was created in the image and likeness of God. We know that. And it stands to reason that man's home, earth, was also created in the image and likeness of God's home, which is heaven. Amen? So earth and heaven were originally created to be identical twin planets. Identical twin planets. Although there is some proof in scriptures, or seems to be, that heaven is much, much larger planet than earth. And we'll talk about that later. But um, that they were identical twin planets. However, we know that earth is now fallen. And we know now there's all sorts of environmental messes and all sorts of stuff. You know there's no polluted rivers in heaven. Amen. You know, I, don't get mad at the EPA in... in, 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 in uh, uh, in the United States. If you ever go to a foreign country where there's no EPA, Environmental Protection Agency, you'll think, thank God that somebody in the United States stands up and fights these companies and keeps them from polluting our rivers and our lakes. Because in, in Russia, the, one of the cities we went to, there was a river, and it, got, it gets 40 below in the winter in that city. The river is so polluted it will not freeze at 40 below. Amen. And so, I mean, not amen, but hallelujah. Glory. Um, so even though sometimes we think that we've got too many constraints and we've got too many things, actually, you know, some of the, a lot of that is good. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's only bad when you're the businessman that they're putting all the, <laughs> you know, restrictions on. Thank you, Jesus. But thank you for clean water, Lord, to drink. And thank you for a nation that's standing for something. And not letting just anybody do anything. Glory to God. <clears throat> so uh, earth is a fallen, so it's no longer identical twin to heaven because of the... But I'm sure that there's many similarities. When you see beautiful things in the earth, uh, th there's beautiful things that match those things in heaven. I know we went to the Grand Canyon in 1981. I remember because I was pregnant with Eric at the time. And we took Colin, and the Grand Canyon was so beautiful. And I'd seen pictures before, but literally, you know, you go up kind of mountain road, winding around. And when I got my first glimpse, you come kind of around the corner, and you got, I got my first glimpse of the Grand Canyon. Really, it was, <gasps> it is so magnificent and so awesome. And so heaven has beauty like that that we see in the earth. However, we went back to the Grand Canyon in 1990. Uh, six, and took Eric uh, by there when we were traveling in the ministry in Arizona, and the air pollution was so bad that there, you could not see the beauty of the colors of the Grand Canyon. In that many years, they have had they have a pollution problem. Uh, <clears throat> at the and so we know that Earth is fallen. Now, um, when God created the heaven and the earth, He created uh, the earth to be a garden. We know he put Adam in the Garden of Eden. This is, uh, uh, and it was called paradise. And when Adam fell, uh, God relocated the garden into under the layer 
he relocated paradise, not the garden. He relocated paradise under the light, under uh, under the earth somewhere, and it was called. It's called uh, in the Bible. You will find it. It's called Sheol, and there's or hell, and it's there's two compartments. And you know this story. You're just y'all are looking at me like I never heard this, but you're going to catch it in a minute. Um, uh, and in in Sheol, there's two compartments, and one compartment was for the wicked that die, and they are contained in this, and they're in that spot. Amen. And then paradise was for uh, uh, righteous men, or not righteous, that's a bad word, uh, not a right word to use there, but men that believed, Old Testament saints, who believed and, 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 and did right, but because they're not born again, they were put in a holding place called paradise. And y'all remember the, the story of the man and there's a great gulf between them that looked over and said, you know, and could see. It's called Abraham's bosom. Amen. It's called paradise in the Bible. It's also called Abraham's bosom. And so that was the holding tank, so to speak, until Jesus went to the cross and was resurrected from the dead. And when He did, He went to paradise and He got these Old Testament believers who could not go to heaven because they had not been born again, had not had recreated spirits. And the Bible says in Ephesians that He led captivity captive and He took them to heaven. Amen? And He, at that time, after that, He moved paradise to heaven. Hallelujah. And, and uh, so, uh, hallelujah. Y'all catching? I'm, now we're going through this. I'm, I'm going to make some sense here. Uh, the, the paradise was the place where just men made perfect went to await the resurrection of Jesus. Um, let's see. Okay, in John 14, 2, if we'll turn there. I, I've got extensive notes tonight, and so I'll, I'll have to, you know, some of this stuff I've just got to go by my notes more carefully. Because this is not something I have really ever taught before. John 14, 2. It says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. And where I am, there you may be also. There's some indication, and this is not really matter, that the, 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 the people that are uh, dead in Christ, as we would say now, that they're in heaven, their spirits are in heaven, but that they are in paradise. And that they are not in their mansions yet. There's some indication from Scripture that we don't get our mansion until we get our resurrected bodies. But that's not even, even really important, okay? But anyway, uh, so the born again now, if you're born again, you go to heaven. Amen? And so they are in heaven or in paradise, whichever way it would be best to say it. Um, and until the rapture, they are in an educational process. And they are being prepared for the role which we will all take and we will all... Uh, I did not realize this until I started studying this. I did not know, but it says this in the book of Revelation. We won't turn there, but I can show you the Scripture if you need to know. But it says that we come back with Jesus for the battle of Armageddon. I would have just soon skipped that part myself. Maybe that's the reason I didn't know it. I didn't want to know it, you know. But anyway, we come back with Him. All the saints come back with Him, the, the saints that are already in heaven, and us, and we're going to come back. So these, these saints that are in heaven now, they are being in an educational role. They are being prepared for this battle of Armageddon and the defeat of the Antichrist that we will all participate in. Okay, so uh, let's see. The, in heaven, New Jerusalem is the capital city of heaven. And one day it's going to be relocated to planet earth. Okay? The church age, we are in the church age now, it will end at the rapture of the church. The saints of heaven, and I did not realize this either, I, I, I did not realize they were coming with him. But y'all may have already known that. But they are coming with it. I hadn't heard a lot of end time teaching, as you can probably guess. But anyway, the Old Testament, the Old Testament saints, the saints that are already gone, are, will come with Jesus in the air. And then it says that Jesus will have. There'll be a shout, and that word shout is not just a hallelujah. It's a command. It's a commanding shout, and the graves will open up, and their bodies will come out of the graves, and will come. They will get their resurrected bodies right then. Hallelujah! Jesus has a resurrected body already. 
He's not just a spirit. Now, they're up there right now. They're just spirits. Amen. Enjoying the pleasures of heaven, but they're spirits. They're going to get their resurrected bodies out of the grave. And that's why we don't cremate. Not that God... Now, there's people could be burned in a fire. They could be burned in a fire, and God's going to figure out something to do about that body. I don't know what. But we don't cremate simply because it's a te- it says, I don't believe there's a resurrection. Now, people do it out of ignorance, we know. But really, it's an Egyptian custom to cremate, which they're heathens. In the Bible, Egyptians are heathens, and they still pretty much live up to that. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's an Egyptian custom. And, we, and what we say when we put people in the ground and bury them, even though that might be more trouble or whatever, what we're saying is we believe in a bodily resurrection. Amen. And so it's a, it's a sign of our belief. And if you know somebody that's cremated, we got kin folks that have cremated. Well, hey, we're not going to get all bent out of shape over that. Thank you, Jesus. But we still, that's an opportunity for us to testify of our faith, that there's going to be a resurrection. So Jesus, he's going to give a command, and I personally believe we hear it. We will hear it. I don't know what the world's going to hear. I don't know if they're going to think it thundered like they did one time in the Bible or what. But I believe we'll hear that command. It'll be something like he gave when he said, Lazarus, come forth. It'll be something like that where he tells them to come forth and I believe we'll hear it. I believe the hair on our neck will stand up. We'll be going, oh my goodness, this is the day. Because I believe it'll be a command that'll reverberate throughout the universe and it'll reverberate inside of us. Hallelujah. And we'll hear it. And then it says with the trump of God, there's going to be a trumpet sound. And it, they, the, the one book I read said this is not just a little horn blowing. This is going to be a trumpet that reverberates off of the heavens, you know, like blowing a trumpet in the Grand Canyon only on a greater scale where it would bounce and hallelujah. And uh, at that time, we're going to rise up to meet uh, the old, te- the, I keep wanting to call them Old Testament saints, but now they're just saints because it's all kinds of people now. We're going to rise up to meet them. We receive in the twinkling of an eye our resurrected bodies. Amen. And we go with Jesus <coughs> to, um, to heaven and we are there for seven years. And during that time, we know that we have the marriage supper of the Lamb. And that's one thing they're doing in heaven now. Right now, there's such activity in heaven because they're preparing for the marriage supper of the Lamb. They're working, honey. They're marrying the marriage supper of the Lamb. And I'll tell you something else they're doing. You know, in heaven, up until this time, gets a few new people every day. And on 911, they got kind of a larger influx that day, didn't they? Amen. I'm not laughing about it, but I mean, they did. And but you know, on that day of the rapture, there's about there's several billion people coming into heaven all at once. You know, they're busy building mansions because those things are being built for us and they're being created just in our. Uh, pa, um, Jesse Duplantis, and when he went to heaven, said that that it, the style of furniture that he liked, which was Louis the Fifteenth or Louis something like they have in New Orleans, Louis something or another, that style, you know, the barren claw, the claw-footed tables and stuff, um, that his, his mansion had those in it. I uh, remember Rebecca Springer says in her book that, that when she went to heaven, that one of the flo- in one of the rooms of her house, the floor was inlaid with real roses. And I mean, just awesome things. I mean, heaven has gates that are one big pearl. Now, if you put a pearl the size of my backyard gate, that'd be a, that'd be a massive pearl, wouldn't it? But this is a pearl that is a, a city gate would be, what, wider than this church probably. And one big pearl for a city gate. And so there's awesome beauty and awesome. I personally, there, um, uh, Finnis Dake says that there are material things in heaven. So, you know, sometimes we think it's only spiritual, but that there are material things in heaven. We will enjoy beautiful material things. I personally think the reason women like uh, jewelry now, gems, we love gems, don't we, of all kinds, is because that's, that's heaven in us. And I think we're going to have beautiful jewelry. and beautiful. I know we get crown. I know we get a crown. It stands to reason to me if I get a crown, I'm going to have other jewels, amen, to wear. And, and um, I believe beautiful garments. 
Amen, you know. I don't believe we're all going to have on one white choir robe. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. And I know we won't even need garments in one sense because we'll be like Adam where the glory of God covers us. But I believe that we'll get to wear beautiful things and we'll have beautiful houses and we will ride, if we want to ride, in beautiful chariots. We don't have to ride because we're going to talk later. Um, <coughs> everything you've seen on the cartoons, we will be those things. Amen. So, um, uh, and there'll be at the, during this seven years, we'll have the seven years of tribulation. This is the Jewish dispensation. This really, the whole point of the tribulation is for God to deal with the Jews because they rejected Jesus. Amen. That's the whole point of the tribulation. And uh, then at the end of that seven years, we, uh, with all the saints, will return with Jesus to defeat the Antichrist. And the millennial reign will begin. And that's thousand years of no Satan. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thousand years, except for the very last part of that thousand years, he will be let go. Yeah, in that time of that thousand years of the millennium, God will put down all the last remains of rebellion on the earth. Now, I learned something when I was studying, when that was that there will be children born. During the millennial reign. And there's several scriptures that point that out. Just never had gotten to those before. <laughs> Amen. And so, um, but there will be children born. And you've got to think about it. See, uh, okay, you, there's going to be people in the tribulation that go through, that survive the tribulation. You know. And they maybe are not even saved. Uh, or maybe they even are. But they don't get killed. Whatever. So when the millennial reign begins, they're going to be here on this earth with no resurrected bodies. We're going to be here on this earth with our resurrected bodies, but they're going to be here without resurrected bodies, and they're going to, uh, they're going to, the earth is going to be continue to be populated, and uh, uh, there, we will all still be free will choice care. All all of God's creatures are free choice creatures. The angels have free choice. That's why they were able to rebel. And they fell. And uh, here's what I read in one book, and I, 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 I really agree with this, is during the millennium, anyone that breaks the law, the, Jerusalem's going to be, the new Jerusalem's going to be the seat of all government. Jesus is going to bodily reign there. He's going to, uh, he's going to rule, and we're going to be his under rulers, depending on how faithful we've been now. Our faithfulness right now depends on what we'll do in the millennial reign. And, uh, uh, and uh, I read in one, ver one commentary, and I did not know this, that David will be, King David will rule over the Jews under Jesus. He will be their, their ruler. And uh, <clears throat> so during the millennial reign, uh, 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 there will be no corruption whatsoever. There will be absolute prosperity, absolute health, Hallelujah. And yet the, yet the planet will still function much like it has. There will be cities, there will be business, but there will be no politics, there will be, no, uh, be a theocracy. Jesus is the head of all government. Amen? And, uh, and so uh, you won't be able to buy people off in court. and Everything will be done on the up and up. Amen? And when people sin or rebel in the millennium, break the law, there will be laws of the land just like there are now, uh, <laughs> uh, one commentary said they will be executed. There will be death. Gave the scriptures in verse. They will be executed for any... And out of Zion, the Bible says, is one scripture, out of Zion will go forth the sword. And so we won't have... There won't be any sin tolerated. Hallelujah. And yet people will have free choice and you know there's going to be unborn again people. So... You know that those will, that will have to be dealt with some way. And <clears throat> that was one way. I know y'all all got, <gasps> but remember now, uh, this, is, this is the millennial reign. This is not the end yet. When God puts down death, you know, death, will, death is the last thing the Bible says to be defeated. And, and so you have to remember that. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, um, 
men will have an opportunity to make a decision for Jesus without any interference from the deceiver. You know, one of the things that we'll be doing the first part of millennium, I figure it take us at least the first hundred years, is when we come back, we're going to be cleaning up a bunch of stuff in this earth. We will be destroying all the pornography. I get Oh, I was sitting on my porch today and I thought, I am personally going to ask God to let me be in charge of destroying all the Halloween mess. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, we're going to get rid of all of that. We'll get rid of all things that have to do with the occult and Satanism. and You know, because those are things, I don't know how we'll dispose of them, if we'll have a great landfill or what, but all of that stuff's going to be trash. Hallelujah. All the things that have to do with false gods and all those things that are here. You know, people that have little Buddhas just for decor on their walls. We're going to go through the earth and we're going to get rid of all that stuff. And there's going to be absolute prosperity. So we're going to have to go down, go through and tear down some of the, the poverty housing and all those kind of things. Hallelujah. So we're going to be real busy in the millennium. Amen. Cleaning up the earth. Getting rid of all the rebellion and all the things that have to do with the rebellion. Plus, we'll be teaching people and training people and pastoring people and winning the lost without the interference of Satan. Just prior to the close of the millennium, Satan will be released for a short while to, de to deceive those whom he may. Now, the Scriptures aren't clear on this. And, at that, and then after that, the last rebellion will be put down by the Lord and Satan will be put away forever. Hallelujah for that day. Amen. And at that time, the millennial reign of Jesus will end and at that time will be the great white throne judgment and uh, <clears throat> where men will give account for their deeds. The earth will then be renovated by fire. It's a purification process. And God will establish His home on earth to rule for all eternity. Now this is something I didn't know. I thought we were going to live eternally in heaven. But we're not living eternally in heaven. God's coming. We're earth is where we're going to be with Jesus. But it's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Amen. And so this is where we will be. Praise God. Um, we will have resurrected bodies. We want to talk about that. Glorified bodies. Now all world religions... Most all the world religions believe in the resurrection of souls or spirits. In other words, they believe in uh, uh, the immortality of the soul. I should say that. They believe the soul is immortal. Sometimes they believe, you know, they're going to come back as a, another creature. Or, but they usually believe that the soul is immortal. Christianity is the only, and we're not a religion... But we are the only uh, belief system <coughs> that believes and knows that we uh, will have resurrected bodies. We will not just be disembodied spirits. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and we'll look at verse 20. Now it would take us weeks to teach this, have I took you to every scripture. I know some of you are going, man, I'd like to know where that is or where that is or where that is. And uh, you'll just have to dig. You're supposed to be studying. Amen. We're all supposed to study. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 says, uh, <clears throat> it says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Um, Let's see. Yeah, that's all I wanted to read. So we will be raised from the dead. That's the scripture for the proof of the resurrection. And the Bible says death has lost its sting. Death has lost its sting. Death is nothing to us. Death should be nothing to us. Amen? And the Bible says we're not to mourn as the heathen mourns. Why? Because we know. I love what... Uh, uh, Cheryl Pruitt-Salem, what God spoke to her when they lost, didn't lose, but when her little girl, Gabriel, went on to be with Jesus. The Lord spoke to her and said, Cheryl, uh, Gabriel is not in your past, she's in your future. And when you put a loved one, and you, if you bury a loved one, they're not in your past, they're in your future. Amen? And so just as an act of faith, just because we believe God, you know, even though we may have feelings of lonesomeness, missing them, we may even, we may have um, regrets for the situation that caused them to go on. But just as an act of faith, we refuse to go to that place. 
We walk by faith and we rejoice. In the, and, and we rejoice because of what we know, not because of what we feel. Now, I know this is, woo, this is contrary. But family, we're faith people. We're faith people. And we know that our loved ones are in our future. They're not in our past. The Bible says that we're to forget those things that lie behind. Certainly we don't forget the people, but we do forget the two years that we nursed them through cancer and all the stuff. We forget those things. Why do we forget them and not dwell on them? You know why we forget them? You know why it's wrong to dwell on them? Because it's dwelling on the devil and how he and giving him glory for what he did. Because he did it. And I just, we're not going to give him glory for what he did. He may have done it because maybe we didn't know enough or, or even because of the choices that people made that were beyond our control. You can't make choices for people after a certain, you know. And all of us have lost somebody because we wanted to make a choice for them. But they didn't make the right choices. And we lost them. And, and some of us lost uh, children and, and stuff because we didn't know enough. We didn't know what we know now. But we refuse to give the devil glory in it. And we refuse to say, devil, you triumphed over me. We won't say it. And we just get a hold of the Scriptures knowing that that child or that loved one is in my future. Amen. And that they are, you know, they got promotion sooner than we did. Amen. Glory to God. I, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Um, <clears throat> so there is a bodily resurrection. We need to look at Jesus' body after the resurrection, and that will be the characteristics of our glorified bodies. So turn to Luke chapter 24. We want to see what our glorified bodies are going to be looking like. Now this gets us fired. This should get us fired up about heaven. It ought to get us fired up about the millennial reign and hallelujah. If this if this puts any kind of dread or fear in you, well, boy, you didn't hear right or I missed saying it right because this ought to make us excited. The most exciting times of our lives are just ahead. I mean, they don't make movies. Even Star Wars and all that kind of stuff, they don't make movies that are as exciting as these kind of things. Hallelujah. Um, <clears throat> Luke twenty four thirty six says, uh, and 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 as they thus spake, Jesus Himself stood in the midst of them, and said unto them, Peace be unto you. So they were all just sitting around talking, and as they talked, He was just suddenly in the midst of them. He was just there. He just appeared, and that's where our bodies will be. Amen. Hallelujah. And uh, in, the, in the book of John. The same message in the book of John says that the door was closed and locked, and Jesus just appeared. You know, I didn't use, I, I don't know about you, but I guess I said I didn't study this, and so I just had a lot of assumption that Jesus, I didn't really, I realized that he had a body. That he, this was, this is not just a spirit walking through a wall. This is a body that he has. Um, the Bible says there, well, we'll go on and read verse 36. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why did thoughts rise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I, myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. See, he's not just a spirit. He said, I'm flesh and bones. Amen. Notice he didn't say flesh and blood. He didn't have any blood. Why? He shed all his. What he had left, he took up to heaven and sprinkled on the mercy seat. He doesn't have any blood left. And, you know, um, we won't be flesh and blood either. We'll be flesh and bones. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed, not for joy, and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye any meat? And, and they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of a honeycomb, and he took it and did eat before them. So in our resurrected bodies, we get to eat. Hallelujah. And we won't have to eat in order to survive, but we'll get the enjoyment of eating. How many of you are glad of that? Hallelujah. That's heaven. And you won't gain weight or anything. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You'll have a resurrected body. And I've always believed, I didn't have Scripture and verse before, but I always believed chocolate would be in heaven. You know, chocolate is just got a heavenly touch to it. Some things in this earth, you can just tell that there's a inspiration of heaven behind it. You know? There's some things that don't have the inspiration of heaven behind them, like Brussels sprouts and things like that. There's just no, there's nothing heavenly about that. I don't, well, some people might, or liver. Mm, Jesus, help us. Glorious. So uh, he, it, it, so the food, the eating of food will be for enjoyment. Um, then uh, 
in verse 50. It says, uh, And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. So he flew. Hallelujah. And we're going to be able to fly in our resurrected bodies. I think that that's, you know, men have something in them that's always wanted to fly. You know, little kids want to fly, don't they? That's why they put on a cape and get on top of the roof and try to fly. There's something inside of us, and it's that God thing in us for the future that wants to fly. Um, We will have no response to gravitational pull. And Jesus went, in this case, to be seated at the right hand of the Father. Um, We will travel faster than the speed of light. God is light. Einstein said, and he, and he was a Jew, not saved, but he was a Jewish man. What lay on the other side of the speed of light could only be God or eternity. And we will go into that place where time loses its definition, and so we will be able to move faster than the speed of light. Because the reason we know that is because men have measured the speed of light. That has definition. We're going to a place where beyond. So at least beyond, what is it, 186,000 miles per second. We will be faster, at least faster than that. Hallelujah. You know, Carter wants to be Buzz Lightyear. I think he might be going to get to be. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Uh, um, <coughs> First Corinthians 15, verse 35. We have everything to look forward to and nothing to dread. We have nothing to dread. We have nothing to, if anything, what we have to do is keep ourselves from being, uh, we have to stay uh, committed in this earth. You know, sometimes we have to reel ourselves in and get in faith not to sit there and think, oh, Jesus, come back today. I am, t- you know, if you if you're not hadn't faced that yet, then you're just young, because because <laughs> that's it. Because if you have lived any time at all, there will come a day in your life when you are just like, I am tired of the earth battle. <laughs> um, I know a lady emailed me, a friend of mine. I haven't actually met her, but we met uh, through her calling the church for something, and now she's emailing me. And she emailed me, and she said, uh, and she's not. It has not been in the faith side of Christianity maybe as long as some of us have. And she said, uh, she said, it seems like I'm always having to turn stuff back at the door from the enemy. Do you have any suggestions? And I wrote, emailed her back and I said, I'm not trying to be smart or anything, but just join the club. We are just, I, I don't know about you, but the car, I'm constantly turning stuff back at the door. I'm constantly refusing the devil's package, whether it be emotional or thoughts, negative thoughts, or a pain here. A, a, and you know, the Bible says, in Peter says, for us to um, uh, humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and to resist the devil and he will flee. And for many years I did not know this. And I tell you, it caused me much heartache because I didn't know it. In the Amplified Bible it says, resist him at his own set. And so I would let things get a hold of my body because I didn't resist the moment I felt a twinge. And so I let things that I am still believing God to uproot out of my body today that I just, I believe the doctor's report and I just said, well, I have a, and you know, and I let different things, I let some things get a hold of my body and I'm believing God and I'm rooting it out and I'm refusing it and I'm resisting it now because I know to. But if I had said that first symptom, that first night, that first night, if I had, that I felt that sensation, if I'd have said, no, no, I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost. I have a covenant with Almighty God. The great physician lives in me. I refuse you, devil. I will not take this. You've got the wrong house, which is what I do now. I mean, I can feel a little... Uh, and if you haven't got there, you'll just get a few more years on and you'll feel it. Where you think here, when, when that little twinge in a toe that says arthritis or that little twinge in a finger one morning that says arthritis, you'll feel it. And at that, you say no immediately. You resist at the onset. You say, I won't take you. Amen. Hallelujah. And had we known those things. Amen. Well, anyway, she said to me, what do you suggest to do? So I told her about resisting the devil and he'll flee. 
And, uh, I, I, but, you know, there's no way to get around it. And so our challenge is, as we hear these wonderful, awesome things about heaven and resurrected bodies and no sin and hallelujah and, oh, praise God, how about perfect eyesight? Won't that be such a blessing? I mean, you know, I have, I'm, I got four pair of glasses in my purse, and I know I could believe God, but I hadn't developed my faith in that area, to be honest with you. And I think most of, I even see Brother Copeland with reading glasses on. But I mean, you know, we're, we're, you know, I'm taking them off, putting them on. I want it be nice to just pick up something and read it like you, you know, I remember those days. Has been a long time though. I think third grade's when I started wearing glasses. Uh, hallelujah. So the challenge for us is to stay peaceable and content and in faith and keep ourselves online to see this out all the way through to the end, victorious. I want to be victorious in the end. You know, the old timers used to stand up in testimony times and say, pray I hold out till the end. Amen. Well, y'all might need to pray that I hold out till the end. Amen. Because this old world is pretty stinky looking. Amen. Hallelujah. I mean, are y'all tired of snipers and terrorists and, and West Nile virus? And, and you know, if there wasn't West Nile virus, I just don't even like, I got three mosquito bites. I don't even like mosquito bites. I mean, this, there's just always something, isn't there? Amen. Well, we just have to be faith people. If we didn't, we'd just curl up our toes and won't say that. <clears throat> so, uh, uh, time loses its definition. Let's turn to, did I, are we at 1 Corinthians 15? Did we read it? We didn't? But some men will say, how are, this is verse 35, but some men will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bare grain. It may chance of wheat or of some other grain. But listen to verse 38. But God giveth it a body, as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. Now that's a very important statement there. To every seed his own body. That answers the question question of what will I look like in my resurrected body to every seed his own body see whatever you whatever you look like now that's what you're going to look like then if you're tall now you're going to be tall then if you're not tall I don't I don't think you're going to be tall I don't want to break your little bubble or anything Hallelujah. If you're a female now, God's not going to change the seed, in other words. He's not going to change the seed. He doesn't change seeds now. You don't plant watermelon and get grapes, do you? And He's not changing our bodies either. He's not changing them. Whatever you, if you're a female, you'll be female. If you've got a long nose, you'll have a long nose. Glory to God. Glory to God. I've never seen an ugly Christian, though. I was meditating on this. I've seen some ugly people in this world. But you know what? They were all not Christians. There's something about getting the glory of God inside you that I'm telling you, I've never, I, I meditated on it. I sat and thought of every Christian I know and there ain't one ugly one. There's something about God on the inside of us that it, you're not ugly when you've got God on the inside of you. And there's something about having the devil on the inside of you that no matter what you do, it's hard to be pretty. It's hard to be pretty. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's why there's never been an ugly baby. They're alive unto God. Some of them look like little monkeys, but they are cute little monkeys. Amen. They're so cute. Amen. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Some of them make you want to believe in evolution. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm, I, Lord, for, I am joking. <laughs> Hallelujah. We had this guy in our class when I was growing up. Uh, his name was Jerry Mack Patterson. I promise you he looked as much like a monkey. He looked like Neanderthal man. He really did. But he was lost. But he made you... So maybe that's why Darwin thought that. He looked over and said, it's bound to be. You know, look at these guys. See, people look like we got that got the devil inside them. They can be ugly. But Christians are not ugly. You don't have to worry. And all, you know, a lot of how you feel about yourself, that's the devil. You ought to be thinking you're pretty. Because you are. You've got the glory of God in you. There's something coming from the inside of you that I think you're pretty anyway. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Uh, so every seed is on body. Verse 42. 
Thank you, Jesus. Uh, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. So he's talking here about our bodies sown in that corruption, the aging, wrinkling, those things. You know, even though you're not, you're going to be the same, you're not going to have any wrinkles. You're not going to age. You're not going to be aged. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Um, uh, you're going to be raised in glory. You're going to have wondrous capabilities. You're not going, there's not going to be any pimples, no pot bellies, no pigeon toes, and no scars. Hallelujah. There's no weakness but power. Our bodies will be similar to angels' bodies. We know that angels are very powerful creatures. One angel uh, killed 180,000 Syrians by himself. Or is it 140,000? 180,000. 180,000 Syrians by himself alone. And we're going to be powerful like the angels. Amen. And the reason for this is so we can fulfill our dispensational call. God is going to administrate the universe through us. We have gifts that are to be developed and used in the eternal scheme of things. It's important that we're developing our gifts now. Uh, we will have universal oversight. We're going to rule over the creatures populating the universe. There are many creatures populating the universe. The Bible talks about uh, winged creatures and four-headed four -headed beasts or whatever they're called. Uh, Angels, the Bible says we rule or we have authority or we judge the angels. Amen. And so we're going to be in the places of authority. We're going to need to be able to travel fast, be strong. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We're going to need these things. So we need to get our mind out there. I know some of this is like, wow. But we need to get our mind out there. We're to be heavenly minded. We're to be having these things on our mind. We're not to be down here walking in a little circle. You know, doing, you know we're, going to, we're to be more uh, eternity minded. We're to see the, the bigger picture, the big scheme of things. Get our eyes on the big scene. Turn to Revelation 21 and we'll close with this tonight. And uh, hopefully next week we'll talk some more about end times and the things of heaven. Hallelujah. Revelation 21, verse 1. This is John speaking, and we, we talked about before how he struggled to find words to describe what he saw. But he says, And I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people. And God Himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And then he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Look at verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a wall great and high and had twelve gates at the gates, twelve angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel, on the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city, and the gates thereof, and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth, and the measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. Now he's talking about the city here, and that, 12, that furlongs is 1,500 miles. 1,500 miles this city is. Now think about it. Uh, when we go to where we came from in Texas, it's about 1,000 miles. So, so 500 more miles, that's how wide the New Jerusalem is. 
And it's that tall, too. It's a cube. And so, you know, we can't really get a grasp on that. But this is one humongous city. And this is where the mansions that we live in will be. Plus, there's other cities in heaven. Hallelujah. So this is pretty awesome, isn't it? Uh, and verse 17, and he measured the wall thereof in 140 and four cubits according to the measure of a man, that is, of the angel. And the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, and the fourth an emerald. The fifth Sardinox, the seventh, the sixth Sardius, the seventh Chrysolite, the eighth Beryl, the ninth a Topaz, the tenth a Chrysophorus, the eleventh a Jacinth, the twelfth an Amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls, every several gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, as it were as if it were transparent glass. Look at chapter 22, verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree for, were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse... Hallelujah, no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. And they shall see His face, and His name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Praise God, hallelujah. We need to get ready and get hungry for our heavenly habitation. Amen. We need to get heavenly minded. We need to be watching because Jesus could come back. He, we'll talk about that more next week. Uh, but He could come back any day. It could be tomorrow. It could be tonight. Amen. He could come back any time. Hallelujah. We need to not be uh, bound and uh, distracted by the things of this world. Amen. Hallelujah. Getting aware of our heavenly home and, and our resurrected bodies. Let's stand up together tonight. Glory to God. We give you praise and honor to you.